0: Hey everybody, I wanna give you a gift before we dive in. If you're at the beginning of your content marketing journey or if you've been doing it a while but it's not working as well as you want and you feel like something is missing, I wanna give you a roadmap to help you get more ROI out of your content. This is my blog remix method, and it's a shortcut to go from one blog to dozens of pieces of content in less than 60 minutes. Even if you have webinars, podcasts, and video content, you can take the transcripts and follow the guidelines in the exact same way. It's a great resource, it's free, you should have it. If you haven't downloaded it already, grab it right now at justinsimon.co slash remix. If you're listening to the podcast feed, you can click the link right below and download it. Get it, read it, apply it. It takes you step by step to get more value out of your blog content and get it in front of your audience. So grab the guide, get a blog, and get it running that's my blog remix method and it's free at justinsimon.co slash remix hey everybody before we get started i want to thank my friends at hatch for producing this episode you can get unlimited podcast editing and strategy for one flat rate by visiting hatch.fm all right let's get in the show Welcome to Distribution First, the show where we flip content marketing on its head and focus on what happens after you hit publish. Each week I share playbooks, motivations, stories, and strategies to help you repurpose and distribute your content because you deserve to get the most out of everything you create. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Distribution First. Uh, Pumped to have Mason Cosby on this week. He's leading demand gen over at Sales Assembly. And today we are going to chat over the trendiest topic in the world, AI. But I know you all want to hear more about it. I'm actually super interested in hearing what Mason has to say about it because he has been doing a ton of really interesting things with AI as a single person marketer. I've been there. I am there right now running my own thing. And so this whole episode is going to be about how to use AI to get the most out of your content, to be able to get the most bang for your buck and really be able to do that effectively. So Mason, thanks for coming on, man.
1: Justin, thank you so much for having me. And I got to say, I just love the title of the podcast because uh, practically one of the things that we can talk through is just you can create a ton of content through AI, but if you don't actually think through how you're going to get the distribution out, You have a ton of great content that sits in a Google Drive folder and never sees the light of day. So yes, content creation is critical, but I I think that's 20% of the game, 80% is the actual distribution.
0: Boom, we're coming out firing. Uh, Let's just dive into it then. I'm not even going to go fluff. Uh, Anybody who knows me knows I'm not a fluffy guy. So let's touch on that then. So coming into it, I think that's one of the things that I know I've seen, whether it's AI or having a team of writers, whatever that is, creating content is table stakes right now. I talk about that a lot. It's like there, there's more content out in the world than we can even possibly consume. And now it's much more nuanced than that. It feels like it's not only about getting the content, but it's about getting the content from the people, the companies, et cetera, that you enjoy listening too. So it's not just like the conglomerate ESPN owns all the sports networking that you can follow. Now you can follow uh, the exact YouTuber about your team that you want, you know, and only talks about the things that you want to talk about. It's it's awesome. It's a great world we live in. But that being said, the content is only a piece of it. So I, I'd love to hear your take on that and, and how... You know, you're using 80% distribution, 20% has that rough model.
1: Yes. I mean, as we dive into really the ways that I'm using AI, and I think this is a fairly common play that a lot of people are, are running now, in which you have a couple of content pillars that you pull in your subject matter experts, and it's something that they can get excited about. Um, I have yet to meet a chief revenue officer or somebody in RevOps that enjoys writing a blog. So like that's not What I'm going to ask them to do. What I'm going to ask them to do instead is go guest appear on a podcast. I'm going to ask them if they will be open to hosting an episode on a topic that they're excited about. So we actually announced very recently that we have a podcast that we are launching and what that has done is through that podcast, we then can repurpose the episodes that our uh, executives are guesting on. We can have original content, but then from there we pull those transcripts and can actually then create content that's distributed in a variety of ways. So. Again, I I think to that end, like I mentioned, the 20% is the actual content creation. So I view it as that pillar. The rest of it is how we then effectively distribute the initial information that's given. So that can be through blogs, can be through social, it can be through video clips. And then to your original question, the other point just to make is you can get people that verbally buy in to, yeah, I'll post on social. The challenge that you then run into is how do you operationalize it to where you make it easy for someone to post on social. So admittedly, like that's the thing that we're working through right now, because anybody in those sales assembly knows, we've got some really active executives that have been creating content on their own for years. And now I'm coming in and saying, hey, I need you to post this content. So again, they're like, yeah, we would love to, we love that idea, let's do it. But then they may forget at 7 a.m. And they go and write their post and then they go off for about their day so do that end, yeah distribution first is critical and it's not just getting the verbal buy-in but then actually making processes to make it easy for people to distribute the content that you're creating
0: thousand percent it is so key to even, like you said, have those processes, have kind of those standard operating procedures for when you're going to do something. And again, it's not going to be perfect. Like you said, there's, there's stuff that comes up, especially early on. You, the The idea that you're going to have a perfect distribution plan early on is kind of a wish and a prayer. But I think it's those learnings and by putting in the time and the effort to actually put distribution first, put distribution at the head of head of a content strategy that allows you to get there. Because if you don't, I've seen it many, many times in my career, when you tack it on at the end as a tactic and not as part of the core strategy, it just doesn't have the same impact. It it ends up being a a tweet here uh, or a post there, and there's no consistency, there's no flow to the actual strategy. Yeah.
1: So it may be of interest just to talk through essentially the distribution strategy of the content that we're creating out of some of the AI stuff, and then we can dive into the, the tactics of the content creation. So again, it's not super sexy, but it's a spreadsheet of I've identified these are the content pillars that we're going to post around. So we've got a podcast. We've got our product that is a learning and development platform. So we're going to pull product out and showcase clips of our product. Uh, We have great sponsors, so we want to promote our sponsors. And then we do want to actually elevate specific thoughts and actually turn our executives into true thought leaders. They're doing a lot of that right now. But admittedly, and they'll claim this themselves, they have probably one or two posts that really hit on a weekly basis. And then the rest of it, it's kind of like 20 likes, couple comments. So the goal is how do we then, instead of having one or two posts that hit, you know, and take off once a week and have more consistent content that actually does showcase the specific value of the product that showcases other ways in which people can engage outside of LinkedIn, um, I love LinkedIn. The algorithm has rapidly changed. So you're getting less and less reach. So how can we start to activate that existing LinkedIn audience and pull them out of the platform into other content distribution channels? So from a social perspective, I've mapped out the kind of five different things that we're going to post about. And then I've actually created a framework calendar that is, okay, Matt, on the first week of um, on the Monday of every first week of the month, you'll post around this piece of content. I'm doing that across... Matt, Brad, Jeff, these are our CRO, president, CEO, um, our sales assembly company page, our salesperson, and myself to make sure that we're not posting the same stuff or even the same topic on any given day, but we are consistently posting every single week on the same five pieces. And then the other thing that we've done within that for their thought leadership is we have an overarching brand message, which is, or kind of a brand point of view, which is, Your revenue team just simply is not ready and equipped to do the job that is in front of them. It's like, that is the POV in the market. We've got a ton of data that showcases reps aren't hitting their quotas. According to some recent data from Gartner, like 70% of employees have reported that they don't feel they have the skills to do their job. So like (laughs) just it's, it's. Yeah, like you hear that and you're like, wow, that's insane. So again, that's our that's our high-level POV. And then within that, we've got specific pillars that all of our executives will speak to. So again, that's the distribution method across social. And then we've got our podcast channel, which will be publishing one to two episodes on a weekly basis, um, that is repurposed content from other podcast episodes. We've got 40 interviews set up already between our executive team, and then repurposing those transcripts into blog content. And then the last piece is launching a newsletter here in the next couple of weeks. So again, we've got daily social content that is specific and curated. We've got numerous podcast episodes. We've got weekly blog content that will start to come out in a weekly newsletter. So those are kind of the distribution channels that all tie back together around the same kind of pillars so that we're consistently preaching the same message, which is your team isn't ready to do their job. And we then come in as a uh, learning and development type platform, we help you close your skill gaps. So again, they're not ready; they have skill gaps. We close them for you. So that's kind of the high level thought leadership down into the specific reasons you would buy from us.
0: Yeah, love it. It's funny. We've uh, this is the first time we we've actually connected face to face. But that is like almost probably ninety percent of the play that I help clients with as well is, and it's shocking how many folks don't have that upper level message alignment around that. And then that's honestly how a lot of the chaos kind of starts happening within a content strategy is we don't have any guiding principle, any guiding value, any any sort of, especially in today's world, an opinion to sort of plant your flag around that this is why we exist outside of product. Like You have product as a sub theme underneath your content strategy, which is so smart. It's not even... Typically, it's how do we talk about our product, <laughs> and then come up with some other ways about you know trying to sneakily do that in, in different ways. So having those themes is super key. Anybody listening, I, I think being able to a get alignment on what your core, what your company is about, what is your core overarching message you want story that you want to tell, what what is that, and then from there, what are those core themes that you can talk about, and then from there, the layer underneath that is when you're getting into actual sort of more tactical things like a newsletter and uh, social content and, and all those bits. Whereas so often, we just want to drill right into, hey, we should be posting more on social. Well, okay, but what about, you know, if you have your execs or you have your company page or you have whatever talking about all these things and you don't have the strategy built around it, that's when stuff goes kind of haywire. And, that, and that's where for me too, I do the same thing. I like to lay it all out on that calendar, lay it out on a social calendar to understand, hey, here's what we're doing, here's what we're hitting uh, and being able to do that. I'm curious for you, what are what are you seeing as the more better performing pieces of content for you? Because you're touching on those messages in, in different ways, which I think is starts to give you a different level of insight when you start to do that because now it's not only and maybe you touch on both of these, what messages are kind of resonating? It's obviously going to be specific to you, but then what are those pieces of content too? And how do you work that blend together when you're building out the strategy?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And admittedly, Sales Assembly is in a very unique position because unlike what I think most people experience in which they're trying to get their executives to be active, we have really active executives. So what we're now doing is less of hey, let's just post some content. And it's now more of how do we post strategic content that ties back to a clear point of view? So it, admittedly, and I know this, and I've, I've prepped our team, we're going to see content engagement go down because we've been posting a lot of funny jokes. Like we've been posting a lot of things that are humorous. So I mean, some of the best posts from Matt are essentially Matt making fun of himself of like, Brad invites me into a pipeline meeting to talk about my 78% discounts. Like, it's gonna get a ton of engagement. It's gonna drive the business forward. So from that perspective, at the moment, we're still early. I mean, we're about a month in to really getting specific around even what our message is. So from that perspective, what what I can tell you early, we did a couple of iterations of our messaging. and the most recent iteration, really got to essentially the feeling and the problem. And we passed it around to a number of leaders within the revenue space. And the resounding theme was, yeah, you, you hit it. So from a from a website perspective, what we called out is we provide a, a foundation for skill development and talked about how painful it is that your team has specific skill gaps. So again, that's the product. Now what we're doing is on social and in our thought leadership, going that level higher to say that your team isn't ready. So as we do more and more of that, I, I know that we will have results around it. Right now though, it's kind of that early anecdotal, hey, you're, you're on the right track. I wish I could say after doing it for a week we saw a flood of inbound messages but what we have seen and this is actually another data point w- that would be helpful I've been able to then look at specific posts that our team is making I then send those over to our our AE and he scrolls through the comments and then does specific outbound to people that's that are saying hey this is super relevant and resonates with me and if somebody's leaving a massive comment that is what I would call dark social intent uh, just made that up on the spot, <laughs> but essentially it's somebody that is not a hand raiser, but is showcasing. You just talked about something that's very relevant for me specifically, and it's a real problem. And again, you're not even in the post, we're not even necessarily saying, oh, by the way, Charlotte, this problem comes to schedule a call of sales assembly. Like we're talking more and more about the problem, but again, in the outbound, what we've actually seen is really positive responses to people saying, oh, you offer a solution for that. That's great. So again. We've got early signs that this is the right message and that we're talking about it in the right way. But again, it's gonna take time as we both know to truly refine it and showcase, You know, this is thought leadership that is driving specific inbound pipeline.
0: So how then do you, because this is something that I think more and more content folks are having to deal with, is the things we know are the right things to be doing are sometimes the hard things to justify. It sounds like maybe you've got a, a really good case where your your execs are bought in. Is that is it as simple as saying, hey, yeah, you just got to get execs to buy into this mindset? Or are there other things you're doing to, to sort of spur that that buy-in?
1: It's a great question. And I'll I'll be very candid in the fact that I'm Fortunate, I have now been in sales assembly, I think just under three months, but what I did in my interview process is I laid out, this is exactly what I will do in the first 90 days. I've done that. I was very clear in my interview process of these are the right things to do. It's going to take three months before we see tangible sourced revenue. Did I say three? I meant six. It's going to take six months (laughs) before we see tangible sourced revenue, but it will take three months to set up the appropriate foundation so that we can even start to see inbound opportunities. So from that perspective, what I'm actually looking at is again, a lot of qualitative data. So for example, we are creating these product clips and I sent it over to our sales team and they literally said, this is the stuff that I've been asking for, for years. And then from there, they send it on to their prospects because it's product clips that are coming out of literally the session we hosted last week. So it's like, Hey, you've got CS. Team members, your customers are ghosting your CS team. Here's a practical tip and piece of advice that is being offered in our product. And then that's being sent within the internal team. And what we're doing is we're getting a larger exposure within the buying committee and actually being able to more tangibly showcase the product. So from that perspective, we're actually seeing it as a pipeline acceleration play. But again, that's a lot of qualitative data. So if you are a content person that's looking at how do we focus on the appropriate data to showcase the impact that content can have. I think it is partnering well with sales, being able to get that qualitative information that's that says from sales, this is working. And then your executives are typically going to buy in because especially right now, some of the data that we saw at the beginning of the year is that deals are going to take anywhere from four to six months longer to close. So, if you can do things that help you accelerate your pipeline as you're building these programs, it can showcase these have an impact immediately because we've accelerated the pipeline. And if we scale this out to the larger market, then it will over time bring more pipeline in.
0: yeah. It's, it's definitely f- becoming a tougher to measure that immediate uh, getting away from the performance marketing and dashboards, and this is, you know, look at up and to the right, check, 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 you know, SEO paid all that stuff. It feels like we're at this crossroads of it's taking a more nuanced approach to measurement and and what that means. Measurement, I'll put in quotes because it's that qualitative stuff that you're talking about or even um you know even the self-attribution stuff that's going on with a lot of, you know, people that way too being able to quote-unquote measure through self-attribution, but that is key. I mean, I see it in my own business where when somebody fills out a form i ask how did you hear about me and 99% of those things say linkedin so if i wasn't doing linkedin uh it's a pretty clear sign like keep doing what you're doing keep you know keep keep on that keep talking about those things same th- same thing on validation with content i talk about this a lot and it's, it's hard thing to change within a company culture because Content marketers have been trained to go big to small, to go blog post and then post a link about the blog post to try to get somebody back to consume that big piece of content. What they're not used to is interacting in a sort of platform native world where you can create a unique piece of content on LinkedIn, validate the idea, then create a bigger piece of content around that for your audience, and then recut that up and get it back out. And I think it's like, that is such a shift. I know you guys are doing that. And I know you're doing that a lot, Mason. I want, I want you to kind of, kind of touch on that a little bit.
1: So, I mean, to that point, we just revised our messaging. And the main thing that we heard from our potential customers is, I don't know what you do. Like, I hear that people love you, but what do you do? So what we did is we then created LinkedIn content. I'd be lying if I said this was highly strategic, because again, this was in kind of the early days of me even understanding the company in and of itself, but we were creating LinkedIn content and seeing, okay, what what content resonates with the audience. And we were kind of doing, the formal word would be focus groups. Essentially, we were asking friendlies that were the right persona, that were existing customers and saying like, hey, do you think this accurately showcases what we do? And then once we had a lot of that, again, qualitative information, we then put it on the website. And again, I should give context. I was formerly a StoryBrand certified guide. So like I'm very well versed in the StoryBrand methodology of how we do messaging. So I ran us through that process and then put that on the website. I don't want to make it sound like we just took customer quotes and said, oh, perfect. Like that's our message. No, there there was a clear process around it. And I would say now we are actually at the quantitative data validation. So are we seeing people come in and are they repeating our messaging back to us in the sales conversations? Are they coming in and not bouncing immediately? Are they coming in and actually clicking on specific buttons? So again, we're in that stage right now. We've only had the new homepage up for about a month, but I, I think the the resounding theme of what I want people to understand is in the early stages, and I know a lot of content marketers know this, but I don't think that we give ourselves enough credit on this front. Like you have to actually give validity to the qualitative information that you are getting early. And once you've got that qualitative information, you can then double down on those things and continue to get quantitative data. Like I was recently talking about the fact that to your point around reporting and dashboards, I'm three months in and I just started building out the dashboards because there was nothing going on. So like what I build dashboard around instead of, so instead of focusing on the reporting aspect and getting all the data together, I focused on actually building something that could be reported
0: on. Yeah. Super smart. Super smart. Yeah. What am I, what am I going to measure? We have nothing. I think for anybody who's starting kind of that process too, one of the, one of the best things you can do is take that step back and, and audit and assess what has been working. Uh, especially if you, you know, some of the companies I've worked with in the past, you know, you a decade plus of content to kind of, you know, go at, spur conversations and go look at, and, you you know, you, if you want to get started quickly, that's a at least a quick way to start getting that information and that intel is building out. You know, you're t- taking your existing dashboards and, and building out new ones and figuring out a what content are people interested in and what content are you know getting the most shares, getting the most engagement, and then kind of go from there. But otherwise, yeah, you're kind of just spinning your wheels for no good reason. <laughs> <laughs> so, no that that's awesome. I think you're totally right on with like story strategy having all those things tie in back into product. I mean, holy smokes, there's so many times where a content strategy ties nothing back into the product or you know, just blows my mind the amount of the amount of marketing that I see out there that, you know, and to your that, that's good on you all because you know, to recognize, hey, we're popular, but what do we do? That's a kind of a red flag, red flashing light bulb moment there where like, okay, we're popular, but why, you know, do we want to be known as the joke company or do we want to, you know, do we want to be known as X, Y, and Z? And that's the trap that social can kind of pull you in at times where you will get less engagement, but the engagement you get on the new content is going to be much higher quality. Ideally, is going to be much higher quality and much, you know, much easier to activate than you know. You think about how long, you know, X, Y, and Z longer uh, activation for a deal. Now, well, how much longer is that activation going to be when they have to go from knowing you as the company who maybe we don't know what you do? And, and, oh, finally, I understand what this company does. I thought they just told funny jokes about sales or something like that. You know?
1: Yeah, and I mean, to that end, there's that balance because we can easily. Fall into the trap of swinging so far the other direction to where there's no humor, there's no brand tone, there's no there's no fun voice. And the reality is we are a funny, helpful, skill development representatives that help other companies grow. But we're also authoritative. We are not just this. We're going to tell some jokes, but we we have to strike that balance of understanding the market. I think, for example, like. We don't want to be full on corporate bro because corporate bro is incredible at what he does. But he's, I mean, that's his gig. That's his shtick is he's funny, he makes humor. And we're not gonna go so far that we are completely out of touch. We just offer a platform that you can buy it or you don't. Like we want to be relatable. We want to be clearly showcase that we understand. And honestly, salespeople from being blunt are a little bit jaded because they, they get a ton of no's. So they like to laugh about the reality of the difficulty of sales. So I think we're in that phase of trying to strike that balance appropriately. Now, I know we had also said we were going to talk about AI tools. (laughs) So (laughs) if we want to dive in, I'm happy to dive in because we talked a ton about strategy, and I think it would be helpful to dive into specific tactics.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I would love to chat around the different tools you're using. And just so everybody, you know, you can go reverse engineer what Sales Assembly is doing. I would actually highly advise you you all to go do that after this episode and and to connect with Mason on LinkedIn because he shares a ton of valuable insights and very, I would say, just raw and authentic takes on what he's doing and what's working and what's not. And and that's one of the reasons I was like, oh, I got to get Mason on here because he he's so smart and, and doing so many cool things. So if you're not going to say about yourself, I'm going to say it about you, Mason. So uh, happy, happy to have you on. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. And it, admittedly, it's just a stream of consciousness. Like, oh, this is neat. So. But I think that's where so much of the learning comes. And again, this take all of this stuff and, and you've got to be able to implement it on at your own company in your own ways. Not everybody's going to have funny as a vein of their content strategy. Not everybody's going to want to do X, Y, and Z. Not everybody wants a podcast, et cetera. But I think uh, I would love for you to dive into A, some of the tools you're using, but I mean, the tools are one thing. I, I am interested in you naming some that you're using because I think that's helpful. But I'm more interested in in the frameworks and how you're using those on your data in your day to day basis.
1: Yeah. So we'll start with tools. So again, when we talk about we're doing a podcast, we're turning that into blog content. So what I'm what I'm doing is I'm taking the audio and I'm uploading that into a tool called PodSqueeze. What PodSqueeze does is it listens to the entire podcast episode or audio or whatever you're doing. And it gives you a transcript. It actually creates show notes. And I think the most important thing is it gives you timestamps. So it tells you what is happening in the topics that are specific in that area from there, I then take the same video and I upload that into Descript, and then I'm able to use the timestamps to quickly kind of group clips together so that I can go through and create my specific scenes. And then I edit um, pretty quick within Descript and again. That the script is like 18 bucks a month. Pod squeeze is like 10 bucks a month. So, right now, we're at, I think it'd be fun to do a running tally. So, right now, we're at $28 a month. And I, I can then pull the specific clips for social. And I also then upload those clips onto YouTube. And I will talk about how I turn that into blog content. So, from there, I am taking that same transcript, I'm taking those same timestamps, and I'm then grouping the transcript, I'm taking that over into ChatGBT. What I've done is I've actually trained a specific chat thread with the sales assembly brand voice. So what I did is I fed it. Cause we don't have a clearly documented like brand voice style guide or writing style guides. So what I did is I took the best content from Jeff, Brad and Matt on LinkedIn and I fed it all of their content from the past two years. That is like the top performing content. And I asked to summarize its brand, the tone and the voice of all of this content. And that became the voice and tone for sales assembly as a brand. And then I'm uploading all the transcripts and I'm doing it section by section. And I'm saying, turn this into a piece of blog or a portion of a piece of blog content. I focus on what's the highest level, like keyword that I want it to generally rank for the topic. And I say, this should be a portion of a blog on X topic. And this section of the blog should focus on these points. And then it pulls that out. And I do that section by section. I copy and paste it over into a Google Doc, do some minor editing, and then put that over into our WordPress. And I'm then taking those clips because the clips in the section of the blog typically line up pretty close, like on a one-to-one. And I'm then embedding the clips on the blog. And then I'm taking those same clips. Those are then uploaded into social. And what I'm doing is creating a Google Doc that has the blog content that goes with that clip. And then I'm sharing that with our team to then share and say, repurpose this portion of a blog into a post for social. Here's the clip that goes with it. If you want to use the clip and then we're taking that same audio, uploading that to our podcast. So the podcast episode is linked in the piece of blog content. And depending on what people want to do, they can either link back to the blog. They can link back to the podcast. Either way, they're getting into longer form content that is off of LinkedIn. So the tools would be again Podsqueeze for timestamping, Descript for video editing, ChatGPT, and then specifically teaching it how to use a brand voice. Yeah, that's it.
0: Yeah, so you know, less than thirty bucks a month.
1: Yes, and if you wanted to go the premium version of ChatGPT, it's twenty bucks a month. Yeah,
0: so fifty bucks. So for the ChatGPT, are you so I can get a get an idea too because I'm definitely gonna steal this. Are you in it for the brand uh, voice and tone? Are you putting that at the top of each one of those when you're going through and, and saying for the blog, like how did you train it to make it know that that's the voice and brand tone that you're going for?
1: So the initial prompt was something to the extent of, I would like you to create LinkedIn content for the sales assembly company page. I need you to know the sales assembly voice and tone can I feed you some writing samples that then help you understand the voice and tone of sales assembly? And it said, yes. So then I just like copied and pasted posts over and I said, here's another writing sample to give you an understanding of the sales assembly voice and tone. I then did that. And then after doing like 40 posts, I asked it, can you summarize the sales assembly voice and tone? It then gave me what it thought the sales assembly voice and tone was. And I said, That is correct for all future content in this thread. Can you make the content align to this voice and tone? And it said, yes. So then I use the same thread.
0: Okay. got you're using that same thread to be able to do that.
1: And if you want to take it one step further, the other thing that I'm currently experimenting with, so I'm doing this for myself as well. And I'm starting to feedback the results that I get on LinkedIn to say this post did well, or this post didn't. So I'm literally saying this post got. 17 likes and three comments, or this post got 150 likes and 74 comments. How can we make this better? Can you make more content that sounds more like this? So that I'm not just not giving it any feedback, but I'm trying to train my specific threads to get better and better content within their specific people. And I'm also then creating specific chats for all of our executives. So it's not just the sales assembly page, but it's also all of the people that are creating consistent content.
0: Love that. Yeah. And I think from the repurposing side, like that is... The nice thing about that, and I do that, I mean, do similar workflow with the podcast and things like that. By using the voice of, and again, it doesn't have to be a podcast. It could be a Zoom call with your SME or a Zoom call with your exec. It it doesn't have to be anything that's necessarily even outward bound for the, for Mm -hmm. the jump of it, is you're getting their thoughts and their opinions and you're just repurposing that into a way. It's not like you know you're just trying to pull random stuff out of the internet it's hey take this stuff that I already have that is the voice of the people within our company and and now just essentially massage that get that to a point that I can use in a, in a different state and do it so much faster
1: mm-hmm. yeah so I mean, if we think about it through a from a time perspective it's however long it takes to record the episode it is typically taking me anywhere from 45 minutes to maybe an hour to then take the transcript and actually make it into a good piece of blog content. It's like 15 minutes of chat GBTing and then like 30 to 45 of editing. And then Descript, it takes me about 30 minutes per clip and that's blended. I mean, the first probably 30 minutes of it, it's like finding the right clips and then going through and doing some minor editing. But like, again, from there, what we've done is we've got a podcast episode and that takes, you know, 30 minutes to an hour. We have a blog content, piece of blog content. That's another hour. If you want to pull four clips, it's two hours there. Um, uploading that to YouTube and then publishing it and then you know creating the Google Doc there. That's probably another hour right there. So, I mean, what we're looking at is five hours total for four clips of blog, a uh, piece of blog content and a podcast episode. That's way more than you're creating right now in way more time.
0: Yeah, that is a, a super streamlined way to do it. And I think the best part, I mean, you're you're just you. You're just one one team member being able to do that and I will say this because I'm the same way from a more content strategy perspective or like I came up doing tactical work so I know how to create content and I think that's the subtle maybe over assumption with the AI tools is you have a gauge of what good is to begin with that you can use as an editor, when you're using these tools. And I think that's maybe the unspoken part about a lot of this is the folks who use these AI tools and do it really, really well have a baseline of knowledge and experience to help them do that. You could get by... But you probably know this as well as I do. The reason you're having to go back and train those models is because not everything you get is good. Not everything you create yourself is good. And so you have to learn and you have to do that. So, and if you're not doing that with these AI models, they're just going to spit out junk to you that isn't actually all that helpful or useful.
1: Yeah. And I think the other final thought just around these AI models is telling it the specific medium in which it should be producing and then the intended audience. And then if you can provide the intended audience as well, it typically gets you a lot closer. So again, you're training it with the right brand tone and voice. You're telling it where it's going to be created and what it's a portion of. And then you're also telling the intended audience. And when you do all of those things together, and you're not just saying, can you write an entire blog post for this, this, and this, but you're feeding it the initial content through a transcript. And you're just saying, can you format this and rewrite this in such a way that it makes sense within this medium for this audience on this topic? you're getting actually really solid content. And then what you can do is, I'd say this to our executive team, I'm getting you 75% of the way there. I need you to insert your own POV, like your own personal stories, but the foundation from a content perspective is there. You just need to add in your humor, your personality.
0: Yeah, love that, love that. And I think that is, at least for where we're at right now, I think that's a solid, solid framework and a way to think about using AI, using these AI tools to be able to get yourself, again, you know, and maybe you disagree or not. I, I'm guessing you're not going to disagree, but like, don't think about using these AIL tools as a 100. We can get rid of our, con- I mean, I've seen this, right? We're, we're cutting our content team. We're cutting our X, Y, and maybe in some regards, there are things you can do to be able to do that. But having that expertise to be able to take you from good, okay, to great is what's gonna really matter. And I think for content folks, like don't be afraid of AI, figure out how you as a content person can now in this new landscape, be a person that can confidently go in and say, I know how to use AI and I know how to take something from 85 to 100. I know how to take the things we're doing and go from it being a, you know, 40 hour, (laughs) you know, process that we have to hire X, Y, and Z agencies to even get done to, hey, I can do this myself. I can get this done, we can get it through and, you know, now look how fast we can can move.
1: Absolutely. One final thing, because you asked about a framework. And as far as like, what do we talk about? So again, we've got the higher level POV, that is your teams aren't ready. It's because they have skill gaps and we help you close their skill gaps. So what we're doing, and it was interesting because we had this conversation recently with our executives of what's the POV. And, you know, some people kept saying, Well, the pov should be it's because we're doing too much deal coaching as opposed to proactive skill development one person said you know the pov should be we need to drive better employee efficiency and i said both of you are right the core of what you're both saying is your team isn't ready you're both touching on why your individual pov within this larger company narrative can both be correct so what we did is we outlined what are you actually passionate about talking about that's kind of a something that will draw attention so like Imagine a, a LinkedIn post from a CRO that says, stop deal coaching your reps. It's a hot take. It's going to get some engagement. It's a clear POV. So again, within that, we then identify the specific pillars. So one of our our CRO is going to start talking a lot more about how deal coaching is actually hurting your reps more than it's helping your reps. That's a very clear topic and pillar. And then what we're going to do is, and I stole this from uh, Stephen G. Pope. So again, Stephen was on an early episode. Yeah, go listen yeah. to that episode, everybody. Incredible, but his content framework is essentially identify your pillars and then next to that identify like what are the myths, what are the mistakes, what is the controversy, what's some thought leadership. And what we then did is actually looked at this entire matrix and outlined the things in green that we can feed into chat GBT and say, okay, we've got the initial piece of content. Now let's do this of, we want this piece of content that's the, from podcast episode that's transcript we want us to focus on how deal coaching is the wrong way to help reps focus in on the mistakes that uh, CROs are making around this and create that into a LinkedIn post. And what we can then do is take that same transcript and say, focus on this pillar, focus on this prompt around mistakes or myths or controversy or thought leadership, or there's actually eight within the framework that you can easily fit into ChatGPT. chat GBT. Like I'm not going to feed into chat GBT, like tell a personal story. Mm-hmm. Our team can do that. But what, we were able to then do is once we actually put this matrix together, we will then have literally 64 pieces of content across each of the pillars and eight different perspectives on those five different pillars. So I'm doing my math wrong somewhere. (laughs) It came out to 64 when I did it previously. But all that to say, it's it's a really easy way that you can actually then feed your executive team with starting content that's all written. And what we can then do from there is pull the specific clips in to match that with the content. That's what they wanted to do. Or they just have a bank of ready to go written content in the event that one day they just don't have a clip. Mm -hmm. So that's another framework that people can start to actually take away.
0: I love that. I love using, uh, and I do this all the time for my content too, is using the baseline of those transcripts to be able to create text content. It seems so basic, but like it's such a no-brainer after you've done it a few times to say, oh, this content is really good maybe we should just use it in a different format which you know typically is not just a, a text clip you can take that same text clip and automatically get 100% more content <laughs> by just posting it without the video clip so yeah no I, i'm with you 100% there i think being able to take those things have that structure in place be able to know what you're doing and and have that sort of, i mean you're the i have, I have back on at some point we got to talk story brand i'm a story brand nerd but like to me, that's the whole key is having that sort of single through line of things that no matter what on that 64 you're touching on makes sense, which is it's just so key to say what you have free reign to talk about anything in these sixty-four. And, and it's going to make sense and it's going to tie back to our message. And it's going to be, you know, it's those, those music notes that we're going to, we're actually going to create in the marketplace rather than just crash down with a bunch of noise. So absolutely love that. Well, man, it's been super fun to have you on Mason again. Hopefully I'll be able to have you on at some point and we'll chat maybe story brand or something else as well, but it's been awesome, man. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. All right, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Distribution First, and thank you for listening all the way through. I appreciate you so, so much. And I hope you're able to apply what you learned in this episode one way or another into your content strategy as well. Speaking of strategy, we have a lot of things going on this year that are gonna help you build your brand, 10X your content, and transform the way you do content marketing make sure to subscribe to the show and sign up for my newsletter at justinsimon.co so you don't miss a thing. I look forward to serving you in the next episode as well. And until then, take care and I'll see you next time.